Geopolitics and Empire is joined by Dr. Lee Merritt, who has served nine years as a Navy physician and surgeon and has been in the private practice of orthopedic and spinal surgery since 1995. She's got a really uh, long bio, and I'm sure some listeners already know who she is. She's appeared on numerous radio programs discussing COVID-19, or as I like to call it, COVID-1984, the futility of mask mandates and other lies and omissions from the medical technocrats. Welcome, Dr. Merritt. Hey, thanks for having me. Now, uh, Dr. Mayor, before getting your thoughts on the latest developments regarding the, the biosecurity state uh, and everything that's going on, I thought it would be good to have you summarize your view uh, on COVID-19 and the medical technocracy, as you call it. You know, I've had guests say there's no virus. Others say it's, again, a function bioweapon, but all pretty much agree that whatever is going on is a medical technocracy seeking global uh, domination. So, uh, you know, if you could give us your sort of basic up-to-date analysis of what in the world is going on? Yeah. Well, every time I try and summarize it, it sounds crazier and crazier. I'll just be honest. And, you know, I'm a surgeon. I didn't anticipate being in this kind of fight. But this really is more about 1984 than it is about medicine. Medicine, we are the, we are the action arm. The, the thing that they, that the, the, the globalists, which turn out to be uglier than we anticipated what's going on there, but the global deep state, whatever we want to call that, They've used medicine because they realized they could sneak it in under the wire of all the, 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 the constitutional, you know, uh, guarantees of our, our civil liberties. And they could sneak this under the wire under the guise of safety. And remember, you know, we were warned about that by our founding fathers that if you give up, you know, your liberty for safety, you deserve neither. And that's, that's exactly where they realized that that's what they would do. So I don't think this is a new, attack plan i think it's an i think this is the i think they've been more successful than they've ever been and i think they've used my profession to do it which really kind of pisses me off i'm going to tell you i never i never anticipated this level of evil being able to seep into the practice of medicine but if we're going to talk about what's going on i think it's so much deeper covid is old news covid is kind of you know covid i agree I don't think there are viruses. I think that the biggest lie that has allowed this technocracy to take over as it's doing is the idea that we have little uh, little invisible unicorns that are called viruses that fly out of our mouth and somehow infect other people. Because you see, that's a great anti-human agenda. But in reality, there is no evidence in my... I've looked at this. I couldn't believe this either. This was kind of the last... <laughs> I'm not sure. I keep getting surprised, and I'm always surprised I'm surprised, so I won't say it's the last. But I I mean, the last big jolt I had was to come around to, you know, Dr. Cowan and Dr. Kaufman's position that, that they've lied to us. And I should mention Stefan Lanka, who's really been the leader in this whole thing for a long time. You know, he says, don't call me a virologist. He's a PhD virologist, but he says, call me a biologist, because he realized this thing is a scam, that the way that they they process the samples and that they try and so-called isolate viruses they cannot do it at all like we do bacteria people think oh we can do that look i did it in biology in high school you know you take the to take the nose swab and you put it on a petri dish and i can then take that and make it into a pure culture of some germ in my bedroom it's not hard you know that's easy low-level technology what we're talking about for submicroscopic particles. These are so small that you cannot see them with any microscope that uses normal light. That's why we have electron microscopy. But I used to work in electron microscopy lab, and I will tell you, it's 
there's it's like a, a, a week-long process to get the sample under the microscope. And it completely, um, you know, and that's a sample of a tumor. That doesn't include the growth factor of these so-called viruses. So what they do in the processing is, is they come up with something and it shows this you know, two-dimensional or sometimes three-dimensional. Well, usually it's a transmission EM, transmission electron microscopy. And it shows this picture of the cell wall and it shows things in the cell that we, you know, that are two-dimensional, but we, in our mind, we try and make them three-dimensional. And it shows these little blebs that are, that have, they're basically a, a, a lipid, lipid nanolayer, bilayer, uh, surrounding some genetic material and it's, it looks like it's coming out of, it looks like it's going into the cell. It's, it's attached. Some of them are free in the, in the cytoplasm in the cell. Some of them are attached to the cell wall. And some of them are kind of outside the cell. So it looks like there's a pathway that they can go through the cell. The question is, this is like looking at a still picture of a guy standing outside a bank. Okay. And he's standing there with a, with a bag in his hand. Now, I can look at that picture and I can say, oh, he's going in to rob the bank. Or I can say, oh, no, he's going in to make a deposit. Or, no, he just came out of the bank and he's waiting for the light. You see, there's so many, and that is essentially um, what's what we're looking at here. Mm -hmm. We have made, they, they, they've used those, they've used a couple unproven points. They've used the unproven point that this is a, this is clearly a picture of a virus going into a cell, which is not proven. And they've used in the point that we get sick from these things, trans, that we can transmit disease to each other. And I'll tell you, here, just to back up, and I don't want to spend any more time on this. I, I mean, I know this isn't the major focus, but it's important to realize that the, that the idea of transmitting disease, especially influenza, has never been proven. Now, it's not that we can't maybe transmit Ebola. There might be other things out there, but I'm just going to talk to you about the things that we see every day that they've convinced that we transmit to each other and is a reason to isolate human from human. And that's things like flu and the COVID and these, these upper respiratory things. And in the pandemic of 1918, which was they, they still say is the worst influenza ever, they literally took people that were dying and they took people that were well and they mixed them together, had the well person volunteer to, to lean right over the face of the sick person and they couldn't get sick. They took nose fluid and no, and lung fluid and put it into the well person. Couldn't make anybody sick. I mean, they did this over and over. They even, in a day without antibiotics, this is gutsy, they even take, took that stuff and spun it down and injected it into well people and couldn't make them sick. So what's going on here? The other thing is horses were getting sick in 1918, but they, you know, put the feed bag on, tried to transmit their sneezing and their stuff. Couldn't do that either. Again, what's going on? Well, it turns out influenza just means influence. And there is so much evidence. I recommend people read Dr. Arthur Furstenberg's book on the invisible rainbow. There is so much evidence that what we call influenza is in fact a, an electromagnetic problem of the ionosphere that when the sun before we never had seasonal flu until we laid down telegram lines before that the flu would break out every decade or two or three decades apart 
and it'd be worldwide. And in and in a day of, you know, I, I always like to joke, in the day of wooden ships and iron men, when you couldn't sail that fast to other continents, this thing would break out almost spontaneously around the world. So it couldn't have been that it started in North America and went to Asia, it's, for example. It just doesn't work that way. So what's going on? Well, a Winnipeg astronomer looked at this and said, oh, you know, every one of those outbreaks correlates with sunspot activities, sun flares and sunspot. So it appears that when the ionosphere becomes more charged, that we get sick, <laughs> you know, that we can have problems. And we now know how this works at a biochemical level, because the way you process food and make energy has to do with an electron transport system. And when you have, when you're sitting in an electrical field, um, when you are, uh, exposed to different electrification of the surrounding ionosphere, atmosphere around you, you are stripping out some of those electrons out of your mitochondria, the, out of that transport chain, and so you don't metabolize your, your food correctly. So you don't get energy in correctly. Now, one of the things I, so it, it turns out that's probably what's going on here. And they're, they're using, COVID's very convenient right now to, to bring about an understanding or to, to kind of cover up the changes we would have seen from them rolling out 5G. You know, I don't know how much 5G played a role. I think it did, um, especially in Wuhan, but I think it's playing a role now. I mean, I think people that are getting sick now who really should be immune, whatever this was, it, it felt that it was a, it was a, it was a, in my opinion, it was a man-made bioweapon that was, that was, that was spread around three areas just to get the whole thing started. But as it's, as it's slowly per permeated through the culture and through the people, you know, we had the good, the really, the, the smart guys at the Karolinska Institute and the chief geneticist of, of, of Moscow, these guys have looked at this and by May of 2020, they said 30% of their people were already immune. So I don't think we should be getting sick from that right now. What's it, it, happening is something else. You, a message from our sponsors. It seems we're headed for economic collapse, a dystopian social credit system, even another world war. As a longtime expat myself, I've secured multiple passports, getaway locations, foreign financial accounts, and escaped to the sunnier shores of Mexico. Mikhail Thorup of the Expat Money Show can help you do the same and become great reset proof. He's hosting the Expat Money Summit with 30-plus experts that'll help you reclaim your freedom in a time of upheaval and uncertainty by moving your life, business, and wealth offshore. Themes include securing your Plan B safe haven, offshore banking, decentralized finance, second passports, and much more. Protect yourself and secure a new life abroad. Register now for free at expatmoneysummit.com or don't and enjoy eating bug burgers in your smart city. If you do find yourself stuck in a smart city, the Nomos app will help you survive COVID-1984 and the Great Reset. Nomos is a time bank that can be used by communities anywhere in the world. You just need to talk people into using it. I've spoken to the developer who is passionate about creating solutions for surviving and thriving in the apocalypse. Nomos is available in English and Spanish, so hurry and visit nomos.net before they roll out the cashless society and put you in the algorithm ghetto. And don't forget to fund geopolitics and empire. You can leave a donation, except on Patreon or PayPal, which have banned us, book a consultation, or become a member. I think it's... If you could just clarify, yeah, th this was my question because I've interviewed uh, Dr. Boyle and many other people who say, you know, it's a gain of function, uh, yeah. bioweapon or virus. Uh, you said it's a man-made bioweapon, but it's not a virus. Uh, you've mentioned in previous talks, you know, nanoparticles. So, right. I mean, I, I'm seeing people get 
sick um, that are not injected with the vaccine that are injected with the vaccine. Right. I, I I don't think we're at. I wouldn't classify this as a pandemic, given the, the numbers. No, and so it never was. So, so I mean, are, are people that are getting sick? Is it just them, the authorities renaming the flu, or is there something? going well, on making people sick okay so there's several possibilities so let's back up on what a nanoparticle is i mean a nanoparticle is just a very small nanoscale you know a sub microscopic particle the size of a virus and what do we call viruses we call viruses a little bit of genetic material wrapped in a lipoprotein coating that can get into your mucous membranes make you sick or kill you what would we call a man-made genetic poison we would call it a little bit of, of, of genetic material, this time with my modifications, your gain of function, wrapped in a lipoprotein coating, this time my design, that gets into your mucous membranes, make you sick or kill you. Okay, and so it's not that this doesn't come, so what, what I believe they did, and I have, I mean, I think there's great evidence for this, and it's not the Chinese, by the way, it is us, as Pogo said in the 1950s cartoon strip, we've met the enemy and he is us. We funded, and I, I'm really pissed off about this one. I think that my life, you know, I spent nine, actually almost 10 years as a military officer for this country. I um, paid my taxes every year so that my country could pay bioweaponeers to go overseas um, to avoid the, the treaty and create bioweapons to, to kill my children. I'm done with all this. You know, that really, really pisses me off. And I think it should piss off everybody because we can name names and nobody does, but we should at some point. <laughs> um, the, these guys made, they took stuff, they would, they've been interested in bat coronaviruses for decades. Or, or bat, bat, yeah, these coronavirus. And they, and I always wondered, what's the deal with this coronavirus? Because, you know, it's not, it doesn't really make people sick. I mean, you know, we don't, so why are they doing that? And it just, I just assumed, okay, this is genetic research. It was years ago. I mean, because literally, um, I'll name one, Michael Callahan from Harvard went over and took over those Ukrainian labs and other labs over there. And in 2002, published a paper, 2002, published a paper on bat coronaviruses. Okay. So, we were looking at this a long time ago, and he was the head of gain of function research at those labs. So let's just let's just say we were involved in this, and so we created something. And I'm not saying the Chinese weren't involved. We are all it, it's a it's a globalist cabal. You know, it's like a mafia, and it's but it's but it's these the it's the mafia married to technocrats, to technologists, and these are biotechnologists. So. We have entered the age of synthetic biology, where you can sit on a computer and figure out how to modify a genome. And that's, that's bioinformatics, and that's what they're doing. And they, they made this particle that we call the spike protein. And we know from lab studies on, on animals that all you need to reproduce the symptoms of COVID, what we call COVID, is this S1 subunit of the spike protein which is, you know, they claim this virus is 30,000 base pairs long. It's a huge virus. Well, but it really, you only need a couple hundred to a thousand base pairs to make you sick. So that is doable. We may not, this whole other stuff may be just complete crap. We don't know what that is, but the, but, but this stuff is, 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 that's stuff we can manage. We can we can seg we can uh, sequence it. We can create it. We can put it in our own bioweaponized coating, and we can put it out. One of the things that was seen in Wuhan was 
some woman going to a computer store. Then we had a video that surfaced for a while and is now buried. But and she was just opening up computers and touching the keyboards and then going to the next one, opening, closing, touching, opening, closing, touching. She wasn't looking to see how the key, how the computer works. She was just touching the keyboards. That's the kind of thing you would see if you had paid somebody to spread this. Okay. And I, and I have a friend who's a very smart guy who looked in Iowa. Interstate 80 goes right across our state. And if you look at the outbreaks in Iowa, it's these little peaks that go boom, 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 right across 80. Again, it's, they, you literally could buy this stuff off the internet, this S1 subunit of SARS-CoV-2. It's unbelievable. You could literally buy it off the internet. Maybe you had to have special certification, but I saw ads for it. So I think we're dealing with a synthetic nanoparticle. They took nature. They gain, gain of function just means they made it more deadly to humans. So they took nature. They modified it. They packaged it. They put it in a toxin and they spread it around. Look, if this had been airborne, it would have gone through every city all over the world. You couldn't have stopped it based on the, on the, on what it looked like at first. But it looked so transmissible because people were picking it up in their, in their at, they were touching things and getting it. And so then they could, you know, other people, and, and then they, so now, well, let's go now. So now what's making people sick now? I don't know that, I mean, certainly they could be spreading it again, but I think there's a lot of native resistance to this, not in the vaccinated, sadly, but in the people that are unvaccinated. So that's not what's going on now. I think that when we see COVID-19 diagnosis now, you got to remember, there's never been a test for COVID-19. They claimed there was this PCR test, and it was completely fallacious from the get-go. It was never designed to look for an unknown. It was always to be used for a lab known, for one of these tiny little short genetic sequences that you could program and put on a swab. But just dipsticking lungs and trying to figure out what's on there, that is not what it was. You can't do that. There's no gold standard. It's not a test. So in on, January, on July 31st, that PCR test was withdrawn. And when the FDA withdrew it, it was at a level that was like danger to the public withdrawal. Okay. And when they withdrew it, then they, it, they said it can't determine whether it's flu or, 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 or COVID. And if you believe what I just said about viruses, meaning it's completely meaningless. It's just a show. And they're using it now for Asian flu. They're t dipsticking chickens nostrils, apparently, and, and calling it Asian flu and telling us we have to destroy our food crops. You see, this is so, because the average person can't wrap their mind around this and can't verify it. It's easy for them to bamboozle us with this high tech. But we have to take a step back and say, if the test, this is just logic. If the test was meaningless in July 31st, it was meaningless in March of 2020. So none of that testing was real. It was all contrived and it continues to be contrived. What kind of reasonable medical world is it when doctors continue to use a test that's been withdrawn and they don't even know most of the time it's been withdrawn? I had a question on the test because I feel this is one of my other questions regarding the vaccine passport, but I feel one of the purposes of the PCR testing is to harvest uh, our DNA. Absolutely um, right. Your, what Absolutely are your thoughts on right. that? Yeah. So, so. So let's get into that after we do. I'll just tell you. So what's making people sick right now, I think, is a combination of things. I think it's our, our new electromagnetic world that they're bringing us through 5G, because we know absolutely that when you increase the level of electromagnetic frequency that you're bombarded with, people get sick. That's how we got the H1N1 pandemic, you know, 2009, that was cell phones. Uh, 
1918, it was radar and radio. Okay. We, the people that really invented elect, you know, the, the telegram and the, and the telephone and the Alexander Graham Bell and, and, um, uh, uh, the wizard of, <laughs> uh, what am I blanking on his name? Anyway, the people that did the Nikola AC&D, Tesla, maybe. Well, I'm thinking of the other one. <laughs> I don't Edison. Nikola Tesla. Edison, yeah, yeah, I couldn't uh. come up with Edison's name. They got diabetes. They got problems. They weren't fat people, but they suddenly developed all these symptoms. That they before, before 1920, when they first laid down the telegram lines in the 1850s, they started getting what they called telegrapher's disease. People got sick along those railway lines where they laid down the telegram. And it, was, it wasn't killing them, but it was making them kind of nervous and jumpy. And they had all these weird symptoms. They called it neurasthenia, but they, 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 they dubbed it telegrapher's disease. So there, there's a lot of evidence for this. So that's a major player here. Um, I t- I've had people I've treated for COVID and they just didn't quite get better. And I said, listen, you've got to get away from your cell phone. You've got to get away from your everything that's radiating. And I can tell you the big ones for people just real quick when it gets you. It's your cell phone, but it's it's your cell phone. If you put it one arm's length away from you, it, it's not it's not doing anything to you. But what's getting you are the the routers modems and routers in your house man those things radiate crazy so try and stay away from that the 5g thing that is your smart meter for your water stay away from that you got to distance is your friend and then the other problem is obviously the towers but so there's elect so that's one of the reasons i think that the the other thing about this that we know is that the vaccinated shed on other people and i think that shedding has kind of gone down now that most people have either decided there most people are not getting a new vaccine the unvaccinated are not jumping into the fire here but the and the people that have already been vaccinated multiple times i don't think are shedding now like they did after their first vaccine for whatever reason but when they got those first vaccines i know i got shed on that they're, they were tra- they were transmitting a nanoparticle to other people. And this was written about by the FDA in 2015. Because remember, these weren't devised for COVID. These agents were made for um, genetic therapy and oncolytic therapy or cancer therapy. And they, the FDA re- had enough complaints that when people were doing the tests on using these agents with their test subjects, People around them were becoming ill, so they knew it was an adverse reaction to something in these injections. And they said, protect the elderly, the the immune compromised, and the neonates. And what are they doing now? Oh no, we got to vaccinate children. We got to vaccinate. You know, we got to vaccinate the old people. They they know what it's doing. It's hurting people. Um, so yeah, so so that's so I think people are getting sick for. They, they may be getting the nanoparticle, but I don't think that's most of it. I think it's electromagnetic radiation. It's standard everyday flu and everything else that we used to get in a population that's been psychologically and physically traumatized, which makes it worse. You know, that's another thing. Just and your thought th- on, on the, the uh, third is the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the vaccine itself, just real quick, you know, the DARPA gene therapy uh, injection, uh, just to get your thoughts on what's the purpose of it, because now we're starting to see more and more secondary effects. Like a friend of a friend here in Mexico, told me that uh well his friend got guillain barre and then last week right. i read you know telegraph mainstream news is talking about oh astrazeneca and others cause guillain barre and you know everyone knows myocarditis heart attacks and then people are dying uh and then what wh- what do you think is the agenda be behind the the injection is it you know simply you know eugenicist depopulation or as well as i've interviewed stephen mosher of the po- population research institute he believes the vaccine well I think I think one is to kill people, but or maim them, but other is to 
uh, roll out the vaccine certificate, which then brings about the social credit system. Well, and, I, and I'll give you a third one, but I, I think you're right. The, you know, did you see Justin Bieber now recently? The faces of COVID, and they have all these people with, you know, the, the Bell's palsy kind of thing. His is really bad. You know, we didn't see these things. I trained, I'm a spine surgeon. I trained at Queen Square Institute of Neurology in, in London. It's the fame, it's probably the world's most famous neurologic training institute, 800 bed hospital, all of neurologic patients. But I was there in the 70s. I never saw a case of Guillaume Barre. I saw all sorts of weird stuff, never saw Guillain-Barre. And then I never saw a patient for years when I was in practice, but the nurses started seeing them. And everybody had a friend, they knew somebody, somebody that had it, okay? It started to be, that's how it started. And that was when the flu vaccine came out. And then now I've actually seen three cases. So again, the, what do we see in, in all of these vaccines? Not just this one, it's just a matter of degree. We see neurologic dysfunction and autoimmune disease. Uh, you know, uh, not, this one is the sudden death is pretty impressive too. So anaphylaxis, but also the other reasons. So yeah, so um, I think their purpose is number one, depopulation. I mean, they've, they've written it, they put it on the big Georgia Guidestones. You just, everybody can talk that stuff away as conspiracy, but you know, just read their own words and watch their videos, see what they say. Um, they don't, there's a, the, the, what we have to realize as human beings, as people that are actual human beings, I think it's time to realize that there are people among us that look and talk like us that aren't us. I, I don't know any other because we're in a genetic war ultimately. And you, you nailed it on what you said there. So there's something going on and these group and these people, we could call them, I, you know, we've been calling them psychopaths because psychopathology assumes that you're human like I am but that you have no human empathy because of the way you were raised or because of a genetic defect or whatever. Well, it may be a genetic defect. It may be a big genetic defect, as in there's two species of humans on this planet. I know that sounds a little crazy, but that is what this is looking like, going back to the days of biblical days. Because didn't you, you know, there's several things that have been going on here that that make you wonder what what's happening. And, you know, it's like, the you know, looking back at the Bible, those boring passages about who begat, who begat, who like, who cares? Well, they cared for a reason because they knew they weren't alone. I think they knew they weren't alone and that there were people that were not the same and they didn't want to bring that into their families. That may be what's going on here. I'm just speculating. Okay. I'm not telling you I have proof for this, but I'm going to tell you why I believe it could be true. And that is there's a biblical basis for this. And, and it's not probably just the Bible. It's probably all the old texts go on about this, you know, about the, you know, lots of different, different aspects of this. But then you come to more modern times and you look at the, the, the royals. We didn't, didn't we always used to think, isn't that cute that they have to, you know, go through all these studies and genetic, uh, or these family trees and the Burke's peerage to figure out who is Diana Spencer, a good candidate for Prince Charles. I mean, we thought that was kind of quaintly bizarre, but you know, something that the royals believed in. No, there was a reason for it because even though men, uh, are the people that the, the wealth transfers through men, Whatever this gene is that they want transfers through women. And that's what this whole evidence came out about this K26R bloodline. So I, I'm going to tell you, we are, there is a genetic war here. So if you look at their goals, it seems to me one is depopulation because 
they don't need as many of us. They see a, a technologic, they tell us that the fourth, you know, Klaus Schwab, you know, the, the fourth revolution. So we're going to have needing of less people. And then, because any, and they mentioned robotics. Okay. But I'm going to tell you what they're not telling you about robotics. So they mentioned robotics. We need less people. Then we are, um, and I'm not, I think some of the problem with the vaccine is inadvertent. I don't think they meant to have so many people drop right away. If you're an assassin, you don't want to have people drop right in front of you. You want to have it delayed. And if you look at what Craig Partacooper has shown us about lot numbers and toxicity, when Pfizer started releasing their stuff, you can see that it was highly toxic at first. And then there was a pause when they when everything was baseline, like they just put out placebo. And then there was another release that was less toxic, but still pretty toxic. And then there was a pause and then less toxic, pause, less toxic until they got to baseline. That's called a post-marketing dose response curve. They were experimenting on the human race and they were doing it using something that they were changing in the Pfizer vaccine so it wasn't so immediately toxic. Now, does that mean that it's not toxic? Generally, no. In fact, we're starting to see a lot of the problems happen at five to six months. And that's what, you know, this is what, um, who died coincidentally right during all this, um, uh, uh, Nobel laureate, Luc uh, Montagnier. Montagnier. Yeah, Luc Montagnier said that, that people were going to, that there's HIV in here, that people were going to be. I said this, look, I'm not a geneticist and I'm an orthopedic surgeon. It took me about five minutes of reading a paper that came out in the end of January of 2020 to realize what these guys had done. You cannot tell me that all the smart guys at the universities couldn't have read that and saw it, but, and they censored the paper and the paper showed that there were, it was by Pradant Prashant. Prashant Pradhan and his group from India. from And they looked at the genetics of the spike protein, that S1 subunit. And they showed that in that, there were these four inserts that were completely unnatural. They didn't occur in nature anywhere. They'd never been found in any other like SARS, MERS, coronavirus, anywhere. And I use that term, you know, as a, as a, as a biochemical term more than a disease, but that whatever we want to call that stuff. Um, he said it hadn't been, these guys said it hadn't been found anywhere and it was very consistent. It was the one thing that it was invariant in all the samples they saw. And when they cross-referenced those inserts, they, they aligned with the human immunodeficiency virus, i.e. the AIDS, AIDS genetics. So come on, somebody should, that should have stopped it right now. But what did they do? They censored that paper in a way I've never seen happen before. So, yeah, and I think, but here's what I think the other point is. So my last point about this, this genetic stuff, when we talk about transhumanism, I think people need to realize that no matter how they do these computers, I think so far the human brain is still superior. We are more flexible. We have something special in the brain that they just can't quite replicate. So what they would like to do is to You've heard of Internet of Things, but they also talk about, Merck bought this company, the Internet of Brains. And it's to link up human intelligence worldwide. Like we're all going to be, we're all going to be uh, deposits. We're part of a linked system of intelligence that we can know things like, and they're trying to sell it to us. Like this will be so great. You'll be able to know everything all, you know, that other people know. And no, they want to use us 
as something other than as, as worker bees. So if you're going to make robots, let's say Klaus Schwab says we don't need 90% of the world. That's what they've, the number they've come up with 500 million. So they got to kill 13 out of 14 people to, to make that happen. So they get rid of all those people. Now they're going to use robots instead. What's easier? Is it easier to, um, to, to go into a factory and make a highly technical complicated robot with computer engineering and, and science and all that sort of stuff that has to be maintained and it breaks down every once in a while? Or would it be easier to use the human body with a controlling mechanism? Yeah, I Bingo. see where yeah. and that's And that's where we get to what I just discovered in a paper from Peru, the nanomafia. Okay, there's a doctor who's an internal medicine doctor at one of the university hospitals in Peru, and he wrote this unbelievable article. And, you know, you can, people, people in the universities, they argue against things based on, oh, some technicality of the paper. Oh, look, he did this and it wasn't this. And he did, okay, fine. But look at his general point. He's down there. He knows what's going on. Peru is kind of in the, you know, South America is a different world than we are. I mean, and, and you have it in Mexico. I mean, we have it. We just don't see it as much. These, the, but the same principles of economics that the drug mobs, drug mafias use can be used for this biotechnology that could be taking us over. So, first of all, who is going to volunteer for a study to have a nanobot put in their brain or a series of them to control your thinking? Well, probably nobody. <laughs> so, so what do you do? Well, you go to your less, you know, ethical people and you say, I need volunteers. They don't really need to know they're volunteering. Just like think about the LSD studies the CIA did years ago. Same principle, right? So first they got in bed with these bad guys. So you got the technocrats over here that are, and a lot of these people, a lot of the people that are the technologists, they don't know where this is going. They just, they're just working on some little part. It's all compartmentalized. They're working on some little part. And they don't kind of, you know, worry too much, like the joke about Werner von Braun. I just shoot them up. I don't care where they come down. It's not my department, says Werner von Braun. So, you know, it's the same idea. So they're, they're not all bad people. But now to make this thing work, bad guys have to get involved. People with no ethics and people that are willing to sacrifice other people just to make a point. Well, they, re they research on these people and they find out, indeed, they can control them. So now, with just the insertion of a nanobot, and by the way, he points out one of the best ways they found to get these nanobots into your brain, beer. Have a beer so you can go to, so maybe Budweiser gets corrupted, okay? And I'm not, don't sue me Budweiser. I'm just picking out a big brand. You know, it could be Coors, it could be anybody, but some big brand of beer, um, Corona, you know, and you, that'd be funny, actually, <laughs> you know? And the, you get these nanobots and you put them in the beer. And people drink it, they don't know. And those things, because beer has a couple qualities that it would, it can open up if it's made from wheat, which Corona isn't, but some of them are made from wheat. So it can open up the tight junctions in the bowel, make it easier for this stuff to get in the blood brain or in the, in the, in the vascular system, go to the brain. And now you can control the people. So now you want to rob. So now they've got all these people walking around that are controllable and somebody has the idea. Hey, wait a minute. What if I give this beer to the president of the bank? Now I don't have to. I don't have to go in and guns blazing, and I don't have to to to, to hack the the code of the safe. All I have to do is tell him to open it up for me. You see, that's where this goes. So now that's why they're talking about the nano mafia. So now they've got organizations are developing of controlled people. 
So these are targeted, what we used to call targeted individuals, but now we don't really need to, we might not be just targeting people because of their political stance or to shut them up or whatever. We targeted individuals initially referred to like EMF damage to people and things like that, directed energy weapons to, to silence them or kill them. Well, now what we're going to do is we're going to change you. And the real question you have to ask yourself is, if whenever we mention a technology, and I learned this from uh, Scott Kesterson, who used to do research for the CIA, actually, on, on, on future technology. And he said, if, if, if anybody mentions it in public, then the military has had it for 10 or 20 years, maybe even more. So it's probably already out there where we have groups of people think you're politicians. You know, how easy to dose them. If you don't have to put it in IV, how easy it is to dose them and then control them. This is a truly frightening system that we could be bringing on. And I will tell you this, the, the, but here's the good news. The good news is if it were this easy, they wouldn't be lying to us and they wouldn't be doing everything they are else they are to try and take us out, like our food supply and our power. So, you know, um, I love Patrick Wood's site about technocracy, the book Technocracy Rising. And I learned about this accidentally from him a number of years ago. I just happened to run into him at a, at a lecture. And basically, the principle of technocracy is based on energy credits. You, you, you control the energy. And this is one of the things that we're finding out. You know, my, I never knew all these details, but oil is everywhere. Um, I have suspected that for a long time, that oil is not from dead seashells. That came from one guy at, a, at an old scientific meeting in Moscow or something in the 1800s. And it was a throwaway line, and it became a, a meme that kind of became their justification for talking about scarcity. Well, I don't think oil is scarce. It's, it's all over the place. We're just not being allowed to drill for it. So the fact that Biden had to just shut off our, our own capability of producing oil. And in my own state of Iowa, you know, a very theoretically, I thought, a conservative state, but we've been taken over again. So we used to be energy positive. We would sell our electricity. We have lots of coal plants, it turns out, and hydroelectric and all sorts of, of fuel uh, available to us in, in Iowa. But what did they do? They have regulated our coal plants out of existence. They have slowly, and now this summer, they're talking about rolling blackouts and brownouts in a state that naturally has enough energy for themselves and for the people around them. You see what's happening? So this is technocracy. They're controlling our energy. We should be having, we have, the, I think maybe it was Ames, but it was somewhere in the United States, but I honestly think it's even our state university at Ames is the only one to build a thorium nuclear reactor. Thorium reactors are so safe, you could have one in everybody's backyard. And you see, so, so when these guys talk about the energy crisis, they've made it. And well, th th this is my fear because we're seeing them now, they just, EU, Europe just announced by from 2035 onward, no more gas powered cars. There's not gonna right. be any infrastructure for elect uh, electric vehicles. Um, the manufacturers aren't going to make gas-powered cars anymore. And so basically, they won't have us traveling. Even the UK was saying they have the plan by 2030, 2050, no more airplanes. It's like you won't be going anywhere. No, that's what they want. And so they really want to return us to, I think, I think you know, like they say, and I think this was, who was this? This was... Um, uh, oh, I'm having, I'm having name problems today, but it's the guy, it's Kurzweil, Ray Kurzweil. And he said a long time ago, he said by 2045 or 2050, 
there won't be there most humans will be transhumans they will be this new genetic hybrid with the borg and that those the few of us that are left normal will be on plantations on reservations in other words we're going to be like the old native americans and you know just something cute to look at i guess if you want to have what real humanity looked like at one time uh zoos you know but that's what it looks like we're going to uh, according to them now the the positive note here though is that they're lying about the number of people vaccinated and and no matter how they cut it vaccination risks your dna and your your point about the dna how did they get these vaccines which produce the spike protein in trillions of copies in your body so if you wonder that's another reason that's a big reason right now people are getting sick um there was just an where was the hospital it was in uh, ontario 90 percent of the people in the icu are vaccinated okay so this is they they can try and deny this but it's the vaccinated getting sick right now predominantly and they're coming down with all sorts of crazy things it's not just a covid syndrome um my favorite they deny it they come up with new names for it like one of my two favorites is uh winter vagina that's a new diagnosis to explain women having all sorts of weird rashes and viral breakouts and even tumors with having sex with men that have been vaccinated that's that's really a term. And now we have, I love this, sudden adult death syndrome. And my favorite part of that is when they announce this sudden adult death syndrome, they recommend because you're at high risk of COVID, you should get vaccinated. Wait a minute. If you're a sudden adult death syndrome victim, you're dead. What are they talking about? You know, you can't, or they, they claim people are dropping over on the fields like the soccer players, which by the way, we've lost 10 full European world level soccer teams 10 teams the equivalent of 10 teams are dead from these soccer players dying so um so anyway yeah they they they, they now say that this chest pain that they're getting and these problems on when they clutch their chest on the on the field it's due to the referee's whistles yeah it's it's crazy but uh, apart from all the things you're laying out my biggest fear i i'm always talking about this is this vaccine passport social credit oh, yeah. system because i see them rolling it out everywhere and i've talked to experts like way back in 2020 uh jewish historian edwin black who calls it the cashless society new genics and he calls it the algorithm ghetto uh and so basically if we go cashless i i feel like the vaccine oh, yeah. pass a vaccine passport is attempting to it's the back door to install this system so we, from now on we'll, we'll all have to have digital passports like in china and you won't be yeah. able if, if you commit a thought crime you can't like even in one state here in mexico tlaxcala it was reported you couldn't go into a supermarket if you weren't vaccinated even public parks you supposedly were not able to go to public parks if you if you were didn't have the vaccine certificate so for me this is i i don't know how you feel about it but i feel like if they get this installed like I literally won't be able to go buy food. I won't be able to travel. You're right. It'll it'll be easier for them, but it's not their end game. See, I what we really need to know is the death count, and we need to know is the death count rate going up. This is the first derivative of the death rate, because let's just face it: if if their if their program with these vaccines, these non-vaccines, genetic agents, are going to kill eighty percent of the people that took them, okay. And 70% of the world took them, let's say, in the Western world, not, not all over. I don't even know if it's 70%. Somebody was saying the other day that 72% of Americans did not take them. So I'm hoping that number is true. But it could be the other way around. We just don't know. They're lying to us so badly. But if we knew, you know, they, 
we're seeing, I think is that the Deagle report just came out or some big report came out that said that they expect the population of the United States to be 25% of what it is now within 10 years. What is going to do that? Well, it's got to be this. So they're anticipating taking out 80% of the population with this. You don't need passports much at that point. Do you know what I mean? I think they're, you know, I, I worry about it. You're right. Cashless society is the worst, but they're all, you know, then we go to barter. Human, the humans, we're resilient. We're like the little mammals in the age of dinosaurs. You know, we're going to run around and, and take these guys out. Don't worry about it. We've got, we're going to get them. But the point is they've taken out a lot of us in the meantime, I think, with this thing. And the, the passport deal, it's, an, it's annoying at first, but it goes away the minute people say no in general. Like, just control your own area. Start with your, you're not, you don't have a passport in your house, okay? So now let's go out to your community. Let's just, nobody enforce this. Because everybody's got to realize, we got to get everybody to realize it's their children are going to be murdered too. They're not selecting out except for their own tribe that they know who they are because they did all this genetic testing over 20 years. And you're right, Signal, which is a company in England, got caught selling the PCR tests, selling that DNA, right? They know that, that, that before they did all this, they figured out all those bloodlines. They figured out what they were different. This K26R, they figured out they're different. And that may not be the only discriminating part of their DNA, but they know they're different than we are somehow. And actually, I might be K26R, and so I might not be completely, I might be part of that bloodline in some way, because I'm the daughter of the daughter of the daughter of the Duke of Westphalia. And I never got really sick with this. I'm older than my husband, but when I got shed on, I didn't get real sick, but then I gave it to him, and he got really sick. So I may have some of that. But the problem is, is that that they, I, I think that they've overreached, and I think that if, so it depends on how much they're going to kill us off. And we're going to have to realize that it's not, you know, the people, look like the Air Force people that are flying those planes that are putting chemicals into our air, provably true. Visibly, we have film, we have, we have, we have um, squeakers that are talking about it now. We have government admits to it. Well, they've got to realize what they're doing and that it's killing their families. Ultimately, it's going to kill them. So people have to stand down. And I know it's really hard to say, I'm not going to work at Merck anymore because I don't want to be part of the machine killing my family. But that's how you have to phrase it. I'm not going to, you know, I have nurses and doctors that call me and say, I'm going to tell you something, but I don't want to use my name. And I said, because you're worried about getting fired. Yeah, I'm worried about getting fired. I said, you're worried about getting fired from Auschwitz. Okay, good. Yeah, you know? I, when I was in Kazakhstan, I had only one former uh, co-worker refuse to get injected and get, and get fired. And same thing here in my former place of employment in Mexico, only one person. And I think, as you're saying, we need to be those kinds of people willing to sacrifice jobs uh and and, and whatnot um i want to I mean, get you your... think it's going to kill you quite frankly the problem is they did not think this really would kill them i i you know my husband's co-worker he he was going to go out and get the the third vaccine and all this kind of stuff everybody except my husband in that office is vaccinated and i'm going to tell you that they um one of them called him and or texted him and said, you know, he now knows, you know, four people in their 50s around him that are dead after they took that vaccine. This is not something we normally see, you know. 
we're at we've already at our minimum of 42 to 45 percent increased all-cause mortality in the world right now in the western nations and by in the ages 18 to 65 it looks like it's over 80 percent that is like so out of whack so i so that to me overwhelms everything else i mm-hmm. i am yeah i'm worried about the passports but that we can say no to the question is what do we do about these guys what do we you, do to stop this dying you, you mentioned the western world and one of my questions was what what um you mentioned earlier because the globalists it seems like they're in a class uh, of their own supranational and right. i think in in russia and because we see this interaction between russian and chinese and, and american elites uh but you know was part of the goal bringing down america and where are russia and and china uh, on all of this well that's interesting I, I mean yeah it was the goal is bringing down uh western civilization america the british the French, the Canadians, everybody. Um, Africa is less than 5% vaccinated, okay? The Chinese, if they don't come to America to visit, they, they, if, they, if they got vaccinated, they weren't mandated, they took their own vaccine, not a genetic agent, okay? So they're not involved. And um, the Russians also, I don't think theirs is a genetic agent. So they didn't force, the, the Russians and Chinese did not force their, their armies to take this, genetic agent. We did. Uh, the British did. So the militaries of the Western world have been compromised. And, um, and you know, it's interesting. Uh, Kim Jong-un, you know, who did I see him? He was shaking hands with somebody, whether it, was, it wasn't Putin, it might have been, it was somebody I didn't expect to be friendly with. Kim. But it turns out the people we thought our enemies might not be completely our enemies at this point. There may be a, there, there's a stand up, you know, Russia for sure. I mean, I think Putin is doing the right thing. I, I honestly think, um, and I studied Russian all my life. I studied the language and, and you, I listened to Putin's speech in Russian, although I need sub- subtitles. I can't completely understand it because it's highly technical, but you know, he's, he didn't say what the news was saying. I can tell you that. And so He's he's doing the right thing, I think. And there are people that know what's going on. I'm hoping that, that we have the so-called white hats in the background because this gets real messy if we don't. I, I, I don't know how we get out of this without serious, because there are serious weapons that the deep state has and there we need serious weapons on our side. And that's not something like in the Revolutionary War that we could stand up against. We need somebody backing us up. But yeah, you're right. Primarily, this was a takedown of us because look what they've said forever, that we were just too, you know, we were too, uh, that's why they're going after our weapons, you know, our, our gun rights. We, we just couldn't be taken down by any other thing except they snuck under the wire and they, th- with this shot to weaken our society, to change our demographics. And we'll see where that goes. But that's, think about, think about what actually happened just from a national security standpoint. We in America, our researchers and our, and our people, they took the blueprint from the Chinese about what to put in our vaccines. Essentially, the, you know, the people from Wuhan, they had these patients, they uploaded their genome into the gene bank. We downloaded it. And from that, within hours, according to Tony Fauci, we were making a vaccine to save the world. Well, that's just, the, last I looked, China was not our military ally. Um, we had no independent confirmation of what they sent us. They sent us a blueprint. They sent us a genetic blueprint, and we made that into a 
a so-called vaccine that will shower the body with trillions of spike proteins and mandated it for our military, our border patrol, our EMTs, doctors, everybody that, that you want to maintain society in a crisis. Done. I mean, that is... Is our, is our general staff of the military compromised? Are they are they been captured? I think so, because that doesn't make sense. So uh, I mean, nobody. And I can tell you that I asked Scott Atlas about uh, President Trump and his briefings. He was never briefed, as far as I know, by military medicine or the bio anybody in bioweapons research. And that's our other problem: is that mm -hmm. over decades and decades, when Congress tried to investigate what was happening and our our if you see the word threat reduction or biodefense, just run away because that's bioweapons research done by another name. But yeah, we, we, uh, these people, those, the people that testified before Congress were the bioweaponeers. They were the people doing this and we listened to them about our, what we should be afraid of. And they told us anthrax. Well, it wasn't anthrax, was it? They told us genetic agents wasn't going to be a big problem. It was, wasn't it? You know, they, they made it so this slipped in. And I, it's just amazing to me. One of the other threats that we didn't talk about uh, was, well, we know this, we had this in May, this WHO pandemic treaty, which wants to establish yeah. basically world government. Uh, it was, the amendments were defeated, but on uh, August 1st, they're going to roll out a draft treaty, which will do the same thing, basically give them a supranational power. Uh, it, it seems one of the goals of all of this was world governments. Uh, Absolutely. And, and, and any thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. You're right. Thank And by the way, thank you, Botswana, for leading the Africans to save us from this. You know, they, they stood up and, um, and I don't think the Russians went along with it either. They, they stood up and didn't, didn't sign these, these accords. Now, you know, that's a, it's a, it's a big deal. Yeah. They want, because it's easy. The problem is the average human being today who's been dumbed down by television, and all the stuff that we're bombarded with and, and lied to for 100 years plus um, about the reality of the world. These people um, are willing to accept a mandated vaccine in spite of the fact that that's not, I mean, you, you don't you see where that goes? It's like, it's like if the government can mandate putting this in on the basis of safety, next week they can give you arsenic on the basis of safety or, you know, uh, any other kind of poison, which that's what they're doing. And um, you, you, the, the, the least we should say is if you accept mandates, you accept slavery. It's, you don't own your own body, you know, and the, and the, and the boss can tell you what to put in your body. You are by definition a slave. So that's what, uh, it's shocking to me how many people are willing to accept that. But I may not, have, what was your question? And I may not have answered it, but yeah, I think it's world government was, they, you know, and, and I'll tell you, this is what I believe to be the real world, this real, real world story. What's really been going on for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. This is just me, but I, other people are saying this too. This is a genetic thing in the sense that we have people and it, and it crosses all races it crosses all religions. It crosses all national borders. These, there's a tribe of people that are separate by blood. And they are, if you want to know who they are, just look at the groups of people that very carefully intermarry within their own tribe. From the big bankers, the royals, there's just lots of people, okay? Religious groups, there's just lots of people. They, they have infiltrated all through the world. And they put people into position because they have ways of threatening, extorting, 
uh, being these are really, really smart people that control the money. They control the money supply in the world. And what happens is that they can put people in positions of power. For years, we've always thought we elected our people and that we chose them for the election. We don't choose them for election. They're chosen for us. And we can, you know, it, what's the chance that, that Burke's peerage notes that both, both, um, Bush Jr. and Al Gore are descendants of Charlemagne. That's how they do it for the royals. So the same families that have controlled Europe for centuries are controlling our family. And what we are really in is a genetic technocratic oligarchy. And we've been in it for a long time. And I think what we're seeing now is it starting to break down as they've suddenly gotten some ringers in. And I think the ringers are going to turn out to be Trump, Bolsonaro, Putin, and maybe even Xi. I think that, you know, and maybe more. There's some ringers in here that got into positions that they could start unraveling some of this. And I, maybe that's what's going on. It, that, to me, makes the most worldview sense and, and uh, gives me some hope that we can take this down. But some, we cannot mm -hmm. let people be transformed. There's a, there's a point of no return here if we keep injecting people with genetic agents that transform us. You're sounding uh, optimistic. I was going to ask you, you know, uh, any any other closing thoughts? What what should we do? Ways to fight back? And uh, should we yeah. also be should we be preparing buying rural piece of land and planting a garden and, and raising chickens? Uh, I think yes, like, you like you have been doing. <laughs> yes, you should. You know, so I've always said, even before all this, I've always said that people that live in a city are living on a very narrow tether. In other words, there we've gotten these these automated really serious technologic cities now with real-time ordering of, of goods and supplies. So they only have three days of food and water in those cities. Okay. That, that's kind of like hanging off the end of the, you know, diving board and there's a deep gulch below you. I'm not sure I like that to begin with. So they were always more at risk than people that could be self-sufficient. If you look at what happened in the Bolshevik takeover of the Soviet Union, they eventually had to kill the kulaks. They had to kill the farmers because they realized that wouldn't, that people that are farming are independent and they had to steal from them. And when that didn't work, they murdered them. So keep in mind, that's the end game. But, but until then, you know, Scott Kesterson of Bards FM told me this, and I think it's a really, he looked into urban gardening and he pointed out, for example, that there in World War II, 50% of the food production made was in just people's lawns. They turned everything into victory gardens. We'll have to take back our world very quickly, and we do it by saying no and to be self-sufficient. And yes, you need to take a garden right now. Stock up food. That's the next thing coming. I hope you enjoyed this Geopolitics and Empire podcast. The website is geopoliticsandempire.com, and I encourage you to sign up for the free email list that goes out with each podcast and every weekend with a collection of news headlines. The newsletter and website are our last lines of defense. We're being censored and deplatformed. It's nearly impossible to find geopolitics and empire on the Google search engine. We've been blacklisted. YouTube frequently takes down our videos with strikes. Facebook restricts our page. Reddit and Twitter take down posts. And after the Associated Press mentioned geopolitics and empire in a 2021 article co-written with NATO, our Patreon account was terminated. Vimeo also terminated our pro account. The best free way to help Geopolitics and Empire is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or elsewhere and subscribe to all of our media channels. 
You can find the video broadcast now on five platforms, Odyssey, Rockfin, Rumble, BitChute, and Brighteon. You can find the audio broadcast on the podcast ecosystem, SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, and so on. My current favorite social media channels are Twitter and Telegram, but you can also find us on Gab, MeWe, Minds, Float, VK, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Finally, Geopolitics and Empire is in dire need of funding to continue. You can leave a donation, purchase a consultation with the host, or become a member to receive additional benefits. We also produce a weekly broadcast called Dissident Thinker for members and Rockfin subscribers only. We will continue to fight the good fight come hell or high water. Thank you for listening.